This generation under so much pressure Held to a standard impossible to measure Without guys, they suffer No father in sight, uh, no love from their mother Not the fin for the one in the mirror Self-image distorted, can't get no clearer Damn, lost souls devoured by the streets Ain't no fairy tales or yellow bricks By their feet, only crack vials and shell casings Looking for hope, but they still waiting And I implore you to never give up And like Pac said, uh Keep your head up and when your back up against the wall Keep your boots to the ground and stand tall Hold on and be strong And go against all odds, uh And keep your faith in God Today's spotlight is Juice Me, a cold-pressed juicery. Juice Me promotes healthy living, health-conscious thinking, weight loss, boost immunity, fights disease and infection, and cleansing. There are seven options to choose from. Detox Daily, Sunshine, Spinapple, Fat Burner, Beat Body, Skin Me, and Spicy Lemonade. In addition to these seven options, you can also purchase a three-day detox program, which includes 18 juices, three immunity shots, and three lemon-lime waters. So if you're interested in purchasing any of these all-natural juices, call 267-225-6687 or follow Juice Me on Instagram at Juice me underscore please. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Liberated Mind Show. I'm Kay. She's Karen. That's James. And today we will be speaking about effective parenting tips. So sit back, strap in, get ready for episode nine. So let's jump right into the topic. First question is, how vital is it to avoid parenting based on what has been passed down from generation to generation? Um, I think it's really vital um, to examine the way that you were uh, raised because um, sometimes there's things that are not effective ways of raising a productive child who is um, emotionally and uh, spiritually and intellectually um, balanced. So there's, you know, um, things that, you know, for example, like if your parents, uh, if you got a bad grade or something in school and, you know, uh, you brought home that grade and your parents were upset because you, you didn't score as high as you would have liked to or what they, would have wanted you to score. So you don't want to make that child feel like they're a failure because they might've gotten a C instead of a, a A or B plus. So you kind of, instead of scolding and chastising your child, you should sit down with them and try to see why um, they, they weren't able to um, meet those expectations instead of just jumping the gun and you know and making them feel horrible because if you really think about it they already feel horrible because they weren't able to meet that expectation so instead of you know um 
making them feel horrible about themselves, let them know that, okay, I'm willing to listen to what the reasons were why you weren't able to achieve higher uh, scores on this test and then let them know that if there is anything that that you can do as a parent to try to um, help them score better grades, then you're willing to, um, you know, help them achieve those grades. And that can mean getting a a personal tutor, or that can mean you personally sitting down with your child and giving them that and investing that time. So, um, yeah, so that's like my perspective on that. Definitely uh, some great points there. What about you, Kay? Just, I'll just repeat that question. So I want to try and tackle it directly. I don't, so I just want to make sure I'm clear on what you're asking. All right. So the question is, how vital is it to avoid parenting based on what has been passed down from generation to generation? Um, it's, I mean, to avoid it. The way I'm interpreting the question, I'm assuming that it's addressing, um, I guess, the the negative aspects, not necessarily the positive aspects. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, in that case, okay. So in that case, I'd say it's crucial. Um, a cycle has to stop at some point. And I feel as though most things um, – what do they say? It's like trauma. I guess it depends on type of trauma someone has dealt with. Um, there are people that may be raised in atmospheres at which um, abuse may have been present. And therefore that's all that they know. They don't necessarily know the difference between um, love versus abuse because they, they intertwine the two. So I, I believe that it's important that um, in those instances, those people, they need to seek out some type of, uh, is, it, is it, I guess you can say, just seek out some type of help from outward and some counseling form to differentiate the two. Because um, otherwise that, that cycle could continue for generations to come. So I, I believe once, um, I know especially and um, households, you know, whether they be um, black households, um, Latino households, we, we tend to keep whatever occurs in the house inward, but there is a time where you must seek outward help. And I believe if that's taken into account, um, we can break the cycles for bad parenting and uh, improve upon that. So I hope I answered that. Yeah, definitely. I made some uh, really great points. Um, the next question is, why is it important to incorporate coaching into parenting as opposed to having a strictly a dictatorship style? Well, when you think about coaching, um, you think, um, you know, football, basketball, you know, a sport. Um, but coaching in a sense of the way that a coach um, helps you achieve what it is that you want to achieve on that field, on that, 
on that court or wherever, you have that coach is not giving you the direction in a way that you have to do this or, um, you know, it's the highway. It's just like, you know, I'm going to lead you to or give you the skills that you need in order to, uh, to win this game, but it's up to you to take the ball and not drop it and, 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 and get all the way to that end goal. So is, is it, it, the method of, of coaching to the method of dictating, it's, it's, it's two different type of, um, of, um, of techniques. One, one uh, gives you winners that are proud to be a part of that whole and then the other one is dictatorship. So you have in, in, in any instance where someone is dictating to another person, there's always going to be resentment. There's always going to be um, uh, resistance. There's always going to be um, a, a back and forth, like a force, you know, like a negative force behind it. So when you have, um, when you're coaching a child, it's more like, like, let's say I'm potty training my son and my son peed on himself at school. And instead of me understanding, like, this is a process for him, I'm teaching him how to do something that he doesn't know how to do yet. And his reasoning mind is not able to say, oh, well, I peed on myself. Oh, and, you know, oh my God, like I'm in trouble. Um, that child, if, if, if I pick my child up and scold him in front of everybody and tell him, oh, why did you pee on yourself? You shouldn't have did that. Like that child really needs you to say, okay, well, you know, you peed on yourself. I understand you just, you know, you're just starting this. So I know that mistakes happen, but I would really like for you to, when you see that you have to go to the bathroom, I need you to stop what you're doing, go to the bathroom, and then you can go back to doing what you're doing. That, that type of style is giving them more, um, more confidence in what they're doing. So they're looking to say, oh, okay, well, mommy didn't yell at me and daddy didn't yell at me, but I do understand that I, I could have done better. And then like that begins to, to, to translate in their minds. So they're able to next time they're doing the pee pee dance, they'll think like, Oh, I better not make another mistake because I, w I was just, you know, given the, 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 um, the lecture or, or the, um, or coached by mom to not do that again, because you know, I, I'm, I'm, I need to be a big girl or a big boy or whatever. So, you know, like with that, it is, 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 is when, when you're dealing with a child, it's like a new computer system. Like whatever you're programming into their minds is how they would react to anything else that comes um, in their direction later on in life. So um, I just think it's, it, it, 
I mean, there's, there's, there's um, times when you can, there, there are going to be times when you're going to have to say, oh, you can't do that or you can't do that. Of course, like when you're a parent, you got to sometimes like put your foot down because not every situation is a situation where you want to say, okay, well, you know, you shouldn't have did that, you know, and sometimes you have to get aggressive, but you have those times when you don't need to, to do that and you don't need to break your child's spirit. Because if what you're trying to do is um, get them to do a certain thing and do it right, you don't want to keep telling them, oh, you did it wrong. You want to keep, you know, you want to keep instilling that positive, positive reinforcements. Right. I, I agree. Um, coaching, coaching versus, um, I guess, um, dictatorship. Um, if someone's dictating, that's, that's them just saying this is what to do. There's no reasoning behind it. And there's really on the recipient and there's no understanding of why this person is saying that. All I know is that they say it, it's a must, I must do. Whereas in coaching, effective coaching, an effective coach, like you said, Karen, with the positive reinforcement, they will point out, a weakness will be pointed out, but the, point, the purpose of pointing out that weakness is to improve upon. So therefore, if a child has, um, like, for instance, my daughter, she gets, my daughter's very emotional. And the minute um, she doesn't get her way, she wants to start crying. And so um, one, one thing that I've done is I told her, I said, hey, take, take five deep breaths. Let's get it together. I said, okay. So... Rather than get frustrated at a situation, take your five deep breaths and then sit back and try and do that task again because she gets very frustrated uh, when it comes to, she's left-handed. It's difficult for me, I'm right-handed. It's difficult for me to teach her how to write left-handed. So when it comes to certain letters, it's from a different angle. So me trying to train her in that way, um, she gets frustrated. And rather than scold her and say, no, that's not it, I sit there and I try and work with her to walk through that. So as long as we also re recognize like the, our child's emotions as well, that's something else with coaching. Like I said, coaching is like with you each step of the way, whereas dictating is just demanding. It's just give me more, give me more, give me more, which will eventually cause psychological issues. So it's, um, I, I believe, coaching, especially effective coaching, is it, it outweighs. There's, there's more um, positivity to it than with the old adage of do as I say, not as I do, which does not set an example. So that's, that's how I feel. So the next question is, how can open communication cultivate healthy relationships between parents and children? Um, go ahead. You start, Kay. Okay. So I feel, I mean, it's like with anything, if you have open communication, um, your child feels compelled and at ease when they're going through anything that they can, you know, come to you in a time of crisis. Um, I mean, some people may see it like old school, 
I, I think I have some elements of old school, but I, I try I try to keep them in check though. So um, there are, I still, just because you have open communication and um, open dialogue doesn't mean that there's no boundaries. You still have your set of boundaries. So I believe it's necessary to just reinforce those boundaries at the same time. Um, but your child should be able to, you know, have a dialogue with you. Um, growing up, I, I, I believe, I, I can't recall any situation to where I felt as though I couldn't necessarily bring it up to my parents if I wanted to, but um, I know that there are situations where some children may not feel you know, at ease in doing so. And I don't know if that's based upon, but I mean, it could be based upon the subject matter, um, depending upon, I guess, certain things when it comes to male, female talks or whatever. But at the same time, I feel as though as long as there is that, just, just knowing that, hey, guess what? If I have an issue, I can speak with mom or dad I believe it's a good thing to just have there in the back of your mind because um, if your child realizes that they can speak to you with um, about most things, I wouldn't say everything because there are things that people still would want to shield from their parents. Even to this day, there's still some things I won't speak with my parents about. But um, I don't know. Um, I guess that's the best way that I can describe it without you know, keep reiterating the same thing, but I feel as though it's a positive within um, a parent-child dynamic. Yeah, so um, I, I believe in open communication with your kids and, you know, um, starting from a really early age um, is the best way to cultivate it is through trust. If your child does not trust you, your child will not open up to you. Um, so building that trust and, um, and understanding that your child is a person, not just, you know, uh, someone who you tell to go to sleep, wake up, eat and take a bath and, you know, all these things. But, you know, you have to look at them as the individuals that they are. Um, and, and with that being said, trust is one thing that opens those doors for that open communication to take place. So as long as you cultivate that trust within your child, your child will come to you with just about anything. Yeah. Uh, and just um, that, that point that you pointed out, they, they are people, and I think, I remember growing up, I would always hear uh, your child, you stay in a child's place or whatever. It's, it, it's as if what, you know, I had to say based upon, it's, a, it's what do they call it, ageism. It's not necessarily a disrespectful thing if a child has an opinion about something. Um, I, I think sometimes we, as parents may may take it as such, but it's just the way that kids deliver certain um, certain things. I just feel as though they may not necessarily know how to deliver it, but um, we we should keep in mind, like you just said, that they are people, and you know, 
attached to this person's emotions and feelings. So we have to be cognizant of that and say, okay, all right, it's appropriate to speak with mommy or daddy, but this is the way in which you do so. And you can speak on just about anything. It's just, I think it, it matters in the way in which it's delivered and which they approach it. Just wanted to throw that in there. And, and, and um, just to chime on that, um, that, that's taught. That's taught um, in a way that is um, uh, like that, 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 um, that learning that takes place that is, um, oh my God, I can't think of, you know, when you learn from your environment and you learn from your caregivers and you learn how to react to certain things because this is the way that your parents react to these things. So all that is is embedded into the subconscious mind, whether you're a young child or you're a, a, a young adult or an older person, you already have a set point. You have a set point as to how you're going to react to anything already because you're because the brain the brain the human brain is only a computer and we we program it through learned behavior so whatever you're teaching your kids or however you react to certain things that's how you're teaching them how to react so to say that is just to you know like like yeah certain subjects are not for kids to be have an opinion on you know, because certain subject matters are not for kids. So, you know, when a child jumps in and tries to give an opinion about uh, something that is really out of that child's league, yes, it's appropriate for the parent to shut them down and immediately let them know that this is not for them. That's appropriate because you don't want your kids also to be engaging in conversations that are inappropriate for their age. But it's a way, it's a way, it's a manner in which you do that. You don't just embarrass them in front of everybody and then, you know, make them feel small and then think that later on they're going to trust you to talk to you when this is your, this is the way that you've handled every situation that, you know, that, that is put in front of you by shoving it to shoving them to the side and saying, no, you have no voice. So, you know, you really have to be able to also give them that lead way to be able to have that open communication, because just because you want open communication doesn't mean that that's what you're going to get from your child, because you, it's really, everything has its way that, 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 you know, how things supposed to go. So you also have to remember if you're programming this child to sh be quiet and be in a child's place and don't say nothing because it's not your place, then just know that later on in life, that child is going to feel the same way about you. And they're going to say, this is none of your business, you know, and, you know, so we, we have to be very aware of the way that we're delivering certain things. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, speaking of that, uh, you know, programming and, you know, how the brain is a computer. Um, creativity and skills are forged early in life. How does focusing in on children's abilities and supporting them to help to fortify their self-confidence and 
Wait, I'm sorry. Three, two, one. How does focusing in on children's abilities and supporting them help to fortify their self-confidence and desire to succeed? Um, well, creativity and um, creativity um, and, and looking for your kids and what they're talented in, it's very important because that later on, and it's not even the, the talent or the creativity itself, is the manifestation of it. So like when you're, um, when, when, when your child is being creative, you're building confidence in that child. So now that child has that confidence to say, okay, well, I'm good at this. And then they continue to look for things that they're good at. Now they, they feel good about themselves. Like they walk in straighter. They're, you know, looking at you in your eyes and whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, and that gives them that confidence so that moving forward, you, you continue to find more and more things and that builds that confidence that that child needs so definitely it's um it's needed it's needed because um a lot of parents don't don't tend to um look for the creativity and the talent that their child has and sometimes we go all our lives without even figuring out what it is that we're good at and then now you're in your 30s or your 40s and you're like trying to figure out, okay, well, what am I going to do with, with the rest of my life? I'm not happy in my job. I'm not happy with my career. I'm not happy with anything because you never really got an opportunity to, uh, opportunity to express that creativity and those, those good skills that you already naturally have. So confidence is a big, is a big thing, and, and creativity is definitely a confidence booster. I was just thinking, like, when you mentioned talents, like, um, at what point do we say, hey, this is a, because people have talents, but certain talents don't earn checks. You know what I mean? So at what point do we say, hey, you know what? You're talented in that, but this is what you should focus on versus going along with what what your child necessarily finds um like you said your child can be talented and and all right case in point let's say someone's very talented in art let's say that they they can draw and paint very well i've known people that have gone to colleges and majored in art were struggling to today now that was a talent and you could put that child through art school, what have you, but at the end of the day, they still need a survival skill, if you get what I'm going at. So I just feel as though, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to focus on a talent. Some people are talented in academics, and then there are those who are talented outside of academics, maybe sports or what have you, but we know statistically speaking, um, the chances of, surviving off of those talents outside of academics uh, is very competitive. And the, the amount of slots there are to succeed and, and live a fruitful life um, is very difficult. So at, at what point, I'm like, 
I'm taking your question, but I'm also, like I said, I put some, I'm thinking about it, how, it, how it would relate to today with everything, because everything's going electronic, as we can see. So there's certain things that will be phased out. And it's just like, all right, with so much competition, what talent will be viable in the future to which your child, you know, is able to live a productive life off of or just, just the life they could survive off of? Okay, if so <clears throat> okay, so for instance, um, talent, yes, talent can be either um rewarding or it can just be just a, a pure talent that is just you know is, is used but <clears throat> not to pay the bills and not to bring bring in a living but when you discover that you have a talent you can use that talent for in a creative way as well and make a living because creativity a lot of and that's being used right now um by a lot of people like uh and 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 i just want to kind of just talk like like yesterday for instance um on facebook on black owned new jersey um i seen a little girl uh she had a lemonade stand mm -hmm. and i was just like their her parents are awesome like this is just like genius because it's not even the fact that she's making money money the money is a plus you're right now you're building her confidence you're building a business woman right now like in 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 the smallest of you know of of ways but you're you're cultivating her to think outside the box and be creative and not only not only talent wise, but just creativity. Like I'm, I'm, I can make money by just being creative and by being myself and by having fun with it. So I think like when parents like chime in and, and I mean like hone in on their kids and what they're good at, because obviously the little girl must be good at, um, making money and being um you know entrepreneur she has an entrepreneur spirit already where you know and and her parents are trying to and maybe her parents are also entrepreneurs so she's only like pretty much doing what she already sees going on in her own household so i think like creativity just just comes in and says okay you you may not be using this idea and it may not be as viable, but you tried and, you know, and, and, and with every failure comes a success, no matter like, like, especially if you're determined and you're, and you continue to, you know, find ways to be creative and still, you know, use it to your advantage. Thanks. Yeah, that was um, a good example. Yeah. That, Okay, I see it from that point, that point of view with the um, the creativity, you know, the adult staring them that way. So I, I totally get it now. Thanks. Like she can look back and say, I was like, I was selling lemonades way before, like I was like six, seven years old selling lemonades. Like I was already, a, like she already has her little business going, you know, and thanks mm -hmm. to her parents who are raising her to be, like that because they see that 
that's something that she enjoys. So they're they're only supporting her because let's let's, let's be honest. She that lemonade stand, those decorations, that uniform, all of all those clothes probably cost more than what she making at that lemonade stand in a day. But mm-hmm. you know, her parents are invested in her. They're supporting her vision. Excellent point. Yeah, not only that though, it's like she's actually gaining skills as well. Like she's learning how to speak to the public. She's learning how to sell a product. She's learning, learning how, how to save to, money. Yeah, learning how to market. Mm-hmm. You know, she's learning the importance of like, you know, uh, what is it? Like cost and the cost of something to sell something and then also the the demand for it. And, you know, it's all a lot of skills that she's learning right now at a young age that she's going to be ahead of the game when it comes to, like, her friends. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. All right, so the next question is, um, why, as parents, you are your children's first superhero and role model. Why is it important to parent by example and not just empty words? Well, that's, that's totally important because you don't, you know, you can't, you can't tell your kids don't do a certain thing, but you're doing it and then you expect them not to in the future, you know, or in the present. Like you can't tell your kids, um, you know, uh, go to school, get an education, get a good job and, and be a good person and then you're not a good person. Like, like they're not, like kids are not programmed to, to, um, to go by what you're saying. They're more impressed by what you're doing. So when you're doing the things that you're doing, that's what you're pressing, that, that's the impression that you're leaving in their impressionable minds. And that's the program that you're programming them. So when you think that, oh, well, I'm gonna do this and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to smoke weed in the car while, you know, my child is in the car or, you know, um, any, any, any bad example that you can set for your kids and then expect that child not to do that in the future is just absolute insane insanity. So, um, you know, you got to really be able to be conscious enough to say certain things are not for your child to see. Even if you do certain things, just make sure that your child is not around when you do certain things because you can't expect them to say, I'm not gonna do that later. They're not, they're not even gonna think that you did it before. It's just gonna be programmed in their minds that that's what they're, that's the example that you gave them. So that's what they're gonna do. It's gonna be embedded. And it's going to be a, in, in, the, in their subconscious. So they're going to, most of the time, and, and not all the time, because I'm a, a, a big, um, me, myself, I can say I've seen a lot of negativity and I've, I've been around a lot of negativity, but I was that one that it didn't, like, it didn't affect me in that manner because I was able to see what I didn't want. But not all kids have that ability to decipher the differences between good and bad, and, and, and especially in peer pressure situations. 
Right, I, I agree 100% with that. It's uh, what they say, actions speak louder than words. And uh, I mean, you can just look at it the most basic. Like if you look at like the animal kingdom, there's no set like verbal communication. We necessarily see everything based off what offsprings see, they, they emulate. So yeah, like that goes back to our first question or second question about coaching um versus uh dictating so yeah it falls in the same line it's like okay you have to set an example and if your child i mean basically we know just through interacting even with adults today what type of home training they had based upon how they handle certain situations and how they uh interact with people so it's, it's very important that it's based upon you have to, yeah, your actions have to show your intentions. It just can't be you just preaching with, with, with no set example. So, yeah, I totally agree with what you said. Yeah, I definitely agree because, um, like you said, I'm sure we all come in contact with those people that you know, like, mm-hmm. they wasn't raised around that, um, the positive actions being there, it was always they they was influenced by the negativity that they saw, and it stayed with them throughout their lives. And now they're you know the jerks and the assholes that we encounter mm-hmm. on on a daily. So like yeah, that's very important. All right, so as parents, what steps do you take? to implement and teach your children history of self? Um, you want to start, Kay? Yeah, I'm trying to dissect it. So it's, repeat that one more time, if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. Um, what steps do you take to implement and teach your children history of self? Like to be self-aware of who they are and, you know, our, our history and things like that, stuff that they won't get in school. Okay. Um, the steps, um, I mean, it, the, the earlier the better. Uh, I believe um, if you start off with teaching them about who, who they are, um, their ancestry, um, history, as far as what I'm trying to think of a good example because I, I I'm trying to think of a story of of recent. I think um all right, case in point. Uh, around this time last year my daughter was three. She was in daycare. So she came home telling me about um I think it was Black History Month. She came home telling me about uh, Dr. King. I said, I said, what did you learn about Dr. King? She said, he was a dreamer. I said, okay. Dreamer of what? He just, he had a dream. And that was, that was like the basis of what they taught. Granted, these are, um, you know, preschool age kids, but it's like, um, I asked her what she what she learned as far as that part of history. 
And that's to the extent that they taught her. So it's my job and duty from there to take that and to elaborate upon it. So now if you ask her, she can at least tell you what he had a dream about rather than a, he's just a dreamer. So I, I think, like I said, the, the earlier that we institute that sense of, okay, this is who these people are, this is how it relates to you, and you just keep building upon that, I think um, it becomes easier to the point whereas you could even have a, a weekly thing. I know growing up, Sundays, um, even there were sun there were on, on Sundays I know my sister and I um because of the language my father speaks um Yoruba um which is connected to Nigeria if you if you're unfamiliar it's um it's an ethnic group of, mainly found in Nigeria but all over from Brazil to there's Yoruba people everywhere bottom line but um I know when we would go over lessons with the language, it would be like every Sunday, we'd sit down, take out the easel, and we would go over alphabet, the basic words, things of that nature. So it was um, instituted early on and to the point where now I now incorporate that with my daughter, where I haven't done the like Sunday class style, but what I do is teacher words here and there to the point where she's asking me, oh, how do you say this and that? How do you say that's in Yoruba? How do you say that? So it's like, this is, this is, um, I believe it's her birthright that that's something that she wants to know. So it, it is my responsibility to at least put that there to where, okay, at a stage she can take it upon herself to explore it on her own when she's old enough to do so. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. The earlier, the better. And I, I just think it's something that I, I believe it is a, a birthright for us to, you know, pass that knowledge on. Because there are other people who do it with theirs. And there's, you see the world of difference it makes um, down the road with a sense of purpose and being. Um, as far as me, the steps that I take to implement um, in teaching history of self, um, for me, um, with my daughter, I mainly um, always answer things as the questions came and um, also make corrections when I seen that correction, corrections needed to be made. Um, you know, especially with the, you know, when your kids first start learning about the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria, and the Columbus, Discovered America, and all these things. So what I would do with um, with Armani when she was um, younger, I would just tell her the truth. I would tell her the truth. Um, even with, um, because my family is primarily, uh, Catholics and Christians, um, so we, or our family does celebrate these traditions, like the Christmas and the Easter's and the uh, Thanksgiving and all these things. So I would always tell Armani the actual history behind every single holiday. Like I wouldn't 
just tell her, you know, to blindly think that Santa Claus was going to come down the chimney and he was going to bring presents. First of all, she was smart enough to know that we lived in the projects and we had a fire escape. We didn't have no chimney. So, <laughs> so um, with that being said, like she, she always, I always made every situation teachable. I will always tell her certain things like, um, I will always make the corrections. Anytime she was learning something in school, I will correct it at home and tell her the histories behind everything. So step by step with major now, um, they have more things available for these kids now where you can buy books to teach them about themselves. You know, they got different, different things that are more useful for the smaller kids and their little brains. So um, I'm excited about teaching Major about himself and, and letting him know everything uh, that, <clears throat> that he needs to know. One funny story, um, so one day Major was like, um, Major was like, Mommy, I'm turning brown. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like Major, yeah, because you're a black boy. So he was like, but Mommy, I don't want to be a black boy. I want to be a pink boy. So I was like, Major, you can't be a pink boy. Like, you were pink when you were a baby because you had just came out. Like, you can't be pink. Because <laughs> he looks at his baby pictures and he thinking he's supposed to still look the same. So when he looked at himself, he looks at his skin color, he's like, but I'm supposed to be pink, mommy. And I'm like, no. So, I, you know, I had to explain to him in a way that he could understand that. He is a, 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 you know, a black boy and his, his skin is going to continue to get more and more dark as the time goes on. So that was funny. So that's it. Yeah, no, that's definitely um, important because even, uh, you know, we encounter, once again, adults that clearly don't know self at all they never had the lesson i'm not even sure they even learned the the fake history in school because they just <laughs> be oblivious to everything so um the next question is uh while family time is crucial for the family unit and for the children to see the love and interaction how do you go about devoting time to each child individually and why is this so important as a parent? Um, well, the kids need to kids need to feel that they're they are individually important to each parent. Like kids need to have that sense of belonging, and um, when when you don't cultivate that that relationship with your children to um for them to be able to know like mommy loves you daddy loves you and not just saying it but just you know taking time out of your busy schedule and even even if it's just 15 20 minutes of playtime with the with with one child sitting down and playing with them 15 20 minutes I promise you that makes a big difference. That 15, 20 minutes that you take 
and it's not it's there's no you know um there's no interruptions your cell phone you're not looking at your cell phone you're not texting you're not you know social media the, that those 15 20 minutes are just focus on that child that child that over time those 15 20 minutes turn into like like treasure like you know like your your kids will your kids will be so happy and so connected to you that there's nothing that anybody outside out there can say or do to take that that attention away from that child because you've already you you invested in that child because like it's not just about money you got to invest time you know because time is money and like you're you're giving you're giving your child the most precious thing that, that that we have in on this earth is time because time is the only thing right now like later on you you know the 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 longer and longer we our, our time here is is diminishing so as long as like you can you know be conscious enough to say okay like my child needs me you know, you don't wait until he starts fighting in school and getting suspended and, and, you know, to start, to start showing them that affection, you have to start doing it when they're, you know, um, before that even happens, because those, those things will be very far and few if they ever do happen, because you and your child are so, so connected. Yeah, that's, um, that's a, Great point because um, I have two little ones, um, four-year-old and a nine-month-old. And what what I'm learning now is, um, it went from like three and a half years of just focusing on one being. So now it's it's difficult in trying to balance because the baby needs me for literally everything, and then the four-year-old is like. What about me? So I, I've even found myself in situations like a case in point today, um, since work from home, my four-year-old knows what time I'm usually off the clock around 4.30, but today ran, ran over almost an hour. She's like, well, daddy, when are you going to spend time with me today? So that's what she asked me. And I'm like, once I'm finished work, I will. So as soon as I was finished work, She's like, you done work? I said, yes. So spent, we spent time. And all she, literally all she wanted to do was listen to Michael Jackson. <laughs> that's, that's it. She's like, oh, let's play um, Dance Machine. And she likes to do the robot dance to it. So that was literally it. And it was, it was about 15, 20 minutes. And then I said, all right, I got to pick your sister up now because my sister was playing on the floor just watching. So... It's like learning to balance the two um, because, I mean, I'm sure, like, like for example, like, like what I can say is the, the youngest one, she is more attached to her mother than me. And it's like, okay, me being an adult knowing, okay, she likes to spend time. I can only imagine with a child if you just focused on one what type of feeling that child will then um, have if you're not, you know, showing them because they don't know how to process it. They don't understand, hey, this is 
this is what it's going to be like from now on. It's, it's never going to be like what it used to be. So, yeah, and like you said, it's just, it, it helps in bonding and, like you said, times. Those are memories that will always be there. And, I mean, the, the great thing about today is everyone's got a camera. Where I know when we grow up, you had to have money to have a camera. <laughs> I don't think I have any videos from when I was one through ten. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, like I said, I think it's I think it's very important. You just find a way to balance, you know, that that work life, the home life, and you know, make time for your children because. Um, Children need to know that they're loved, you know, that they're being loved. And just something as simple as sitting down and even putting on one of their goofy little hats or whatever, it makes a world of difference. And that's something that they, they cherish. And like you said, once they're older, um, those are the types of things that they remember. Because they're not going to look back and say, well, my dad only used to spend 15, 20 minutes with me. Like, she's not going to look back and say that. She's going to look back and say, like, we, me and my dad always had a lot of fun. She not, she, she, you know, kids are not keeping track of certain things. Like, so you can, like, children are so easy to please because they don't know, they don't know the, they don't know the dynamic of time. Like they don't understand it. Only we do because we have obligations. Um, they don't have obligations. So they, they don't, they have no worries. And those 15, 20 minutes. And I remember when major was um, maybe about one years old and I was working in, um, I was doing private duty nurse nursing, but I was taking a preschooler to school every day and sitting with him because he was he had seizure disorder and he was in a wheelchair so I would sit with him every day and the special needs um, teacher because all the kids were basically normal kids but that had disabilities so the um, the preschool teacher gave me um, that um, that advice like um, I, I, would, I asked her, I was like, how can I start teaching my child how to read at one years old? Like, how can I start that process? I'm like interested in my, my, my son learning how to read at an early age. Um, so she said, the best way that you can do is every day, spend five, 10 minutes of flashcards every day. The five, five, because their their, 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 their attention span is only but only goes but so far so you're not going to get a lot of time from them anyway so you 15 20 minutes to them seems like forever so you can get a lot done in a very small amount of time and then you know try to not put too much pressure on them either like if they're tired and they're you know they've moved on let them move on and then come back to it later so I've gotten a lot of good advice over the years, especially because being working and being a pediatric nurse. So yeah, just yeah. want to pass on that knowledge to somebody else. That's some good information. So basically it's um, being present over giving presence. That's what I got from that, that time really matters. All right, so uh, I have one more question. Um, 
from your perspectives, um, what differences do you see in parenting uh, by a younger person compared to parenting by an older parent? Um, I can say, I think uh, I, I fall in that realm of older parent. <laughs> so it's like, um, for me, I, I can only speak of me. I don't know how my wife would speak upon it, but um, I think me at being a parent at this stage in life was probably more appropriate for me based upon uh, maturity and just being more stable. And, and what it did is um, it also allows me to look at, look at, life situations for what it is rather than having to be dependent upon um, my parents. Because I know if um, if I would have had, let's say even maybe 10 years ago, I probably would have been running to my parents for some help with, um, hey, what do I do in this situation? Not that I don't seek out guidance, but I would have been more ignorant. So it was like um, just being around uh, family members and friends who had children prior prior to me having children, it, it allowed for me to gain some type of um, perspective as to, okay, that's something I like. I like that idea. And I even reached out to my daughter's godfather a lot about uh, since this, um, case in point, since this quarantine, and she's been out of school. It's it's been crazy. So, what I did is I asked him. I said, "Well, what, what do you do that works?" And he just had his third child, so he was telling me. He's like, "Listen, like uh, Karen had mentioned about the the children's um, attention span." He said, "Listen, this is what I find to be the the best thing to do." And he told me sight words. I never even thought of it. Get the flashcards with words. And boom, she's picking those words up like that. Whereas before, I would just try and have her write it and then say, hey, tell me what this is. But just her visualizing it now and seeing it on a card, she actually can read a little bit. So it's, it's, it's crazy. And like I said, that's me being older. If I, were, if I were younger, I wouldn't have had resources like that to say, hey, what can I do to steer my child in this direction or that direction? I wouldn't have been mature enough. There's, um, like I said, I'm just thinking about where I was mentally 10 years ago. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that would have been oversight. Uh, and it's just, I, I think, I think it depends upon the individual. Some people, like I said, some people are, uh, like I said, when I go on Facebook and I see some friends from high school, they have like 20 year olds and I'm just like, wow, I said, they're about to be free. <laughs> That's what I see. I said, <laughs> I said, I'll be going to my daughter's graduation walking with a cane. That's the way I feel. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's like, um, it's like, I think, like I said, it varies depending upon the person, but I think um, depends on your circumstances, but uh, depends on your maturity level as well. Because like I said, there are some things you can learn um, some things you have the luxury of sitting back and learning 
And there's some things where you're younger, you're forced to learn because you don't have that, um, you don't, you don't have time to sit up and say, well, it's immediate. When you're, when you're a parent and you have a child, everything's, it's right there where you need to address it. So I, like I said, I just think, um, I honestly think it just depends on that person and the circumstances surrounding them because everyone's, there's, there's no set. There's no one size fits all. That's my take on it. I agree with that comment. <clears throat> um, I've always, you know, I, I've taken my parenting from the parenting that I was requiring when I was younger. So whatever parenting that that was lacking with me and I and 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 because I've always I'm always I've always been a person that I analyze and watch and look and learn. So I take from my environment by that in that in that manner. So um growing up and 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 wanting certain things and um and not being able to see that in my own parents i was able to look to see how i can provide those things for my daughter so at a young age even though i was young i was um very in tune with my my daughter because i i mean it was just something in me that I'm a, I'm a mom now, so I have to I have to figure things out. So even when I was um, carrying my daughter, the doctor, my gynecologist, was so impressed on how much I was, like how knowledgeable I was, and how many questions that I asked, because that's like even if I didn't know how to do a certain thing, just because I was younger. I looked for the answers. So there's always a, a means to an end. You know, if you want something bad enough, you're going to find the answers. So, you know, I, you know, was able to do that because I was so, and because I'm naturally a person that yearns for knowledge. So learning how to, how to do learning to do things differently has always been a part of my DNA and part of who I am. So um, I'm, I'm always looking to better myself, even, even if, you know, I may to someone else looking from the outside in may say, Oh, Erin is why, you know, I admire her. Um, there's always, for me, there's always a way to, to, um, there's always a way to improve myself. So improving my parenting, even though in the young, in my younger years, um, and being a young mom at 19 years old, I always look for the answers. Now with my son, um, being an older parent and being um, considered advanced maternal age when I had major, um, I felt a little out of touch I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I felt out of touch because I was already, I had already raised my daughter who was on her way to college. And then now I have another baby. Not that I wasn't up for the challenge, but I was like definitely already very set and comfortable with the way that my life was. So, um, 
but nonetheless, he's going to get the same type of parenting and education um, from me, if not better, because I'm, like you said, I'm older now. So my perspective is yet even better than it was when I was younger. But to the younger parents, and my advice would be to them would be to look, look for, look for ways to, um, to improve your parenting. They're out there. You just have to look for them because if it doesn't, if it doesn't resonate with the way that you would like to um, raise your children, you can always find different ways to go about it, you know, and, 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 and like you said, okay, asking friends who already have children, would they do what, what 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 would they do in a certain situation if they were faced with a certain situation or if they if um how did you potty train your child at you know at whatever age like when i started potty training major it was like potty training my daughter and potty training major were is were two different completely two different things like i'm um, with my daughter she learned how to potty train before she was two years old, right? Like 22 months, literally. Like she was using the bathroom, had underwear on. I had no worries. Like she never peed in the bed. She never had any type of like um, accidents. With Major, I went, we went through a few accidents, you know, a little, and, 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 and still to this day, just the other day he peed on himself because he gets so, um, he gets so distracted with playing and, you know, doing what he's doing. He's over there doing the pee-pee dance. And I hear him, sometimes I hear him in the room pacing back and forth. And I'm in here and I'm like, Major, go use the bathroom. Mommy, I don't have to use the bathroom. Major, go use the bathroom. And then two seconds later, he's rushing <laughs> to the bathroom because he has to use it. So, um, you know, uh, the, like, those, those those situations are two different situations um when and, and and it's still the same the same thing that you're teaching them but you're teaching two different kids with two different personalities two different genders um so uh yeah with with potty training major major didn't potty train until he was right before he started pre-k3 you know, that's when, like, literally, like, uh, two months before he was supposed to start pre-K-3, he was potty trained. So um, with boys and girls, like, you know, you have your variations, like, you know, they're different. So you've got to treat them different. Definitely. Um, or do you, do either you have any final points or anything that you just want to, uh, you know, pass off any final word final message um the only thing i would have to say would be um parenting is not an easy it's not an easy job um it's going to be a lot of bumps in the road it's going to be um a lot of stress um at times it can be a love-hate relationship you know because you know kids just don't get it. They don't understand, you know, sometimes um, you can be tired sometimes, you know, especially with this coronavirus thing, sometimes major stresses me out when he goes touching things and then 
two seconds later, he going like this and he doing this and he like, and I'm like, Corona, 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 like there's Corona all over your face now. Like, so um, it's just, you know, certain those, those little, and they're, they're very small little things like that, that just takes you all the way, like <laughs> to a place that you don't never even want to go to. So in the mornings, um, I have to tell him 20 times, go brush your teeth, go wash your face, go put your sneakers on, go do, and, 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 and I'm saying all that to say, like, the job in itself is, no one pays us, you know, we don't get paid for what, for, for being parents, but this is a job that we have to do um, for, for the betterment of our children, so when you, you're doing this, um, when you're raising your kids, you have to be very conscious of what you're giving them, what you're doing, how you're doing it, how you're expressing yourself, like just being very conscious of every step of the process. Um, and, you know, as long as like, you know, we're all going to make mistakes. No one's perfect. You know, there's no handbook that tells us exactly how to be. The, the, the perfect parent or the best parent. But um, I think, you know, just, you know, learning how to, uh, you know, be better um, parents, I think that's the first step, definitely. Uh, yeah, I don't have much more to add to that. Uh, I mean, it's simple as said, there is no, necessarily no handbook and it's a learning experience um i think somebody has 10 kids it's 10 different experiences so it's just um try to incorporate uh healthy healthy ways um and control temperament situations uh sometimes uh, that's one thing I learned is um, trying to reduce and yelling to get things done. Because um, just because you're yelling doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be done any faster. It's um, it's about instilling that that need of um, it's a, it's about instilling. I don't I don't I can't think of the word right now, but it's just making them aware that hey, this is why this is important to me and it needs to be done now rather than yelling in a threatening, threatening manner. So it's um, just um, hang in there. That's the biggest thing I can say is just hang in there and be patient and just remember uh, no child asked to be here. That was your decision, my decision. That's the way you gotta look at it. And they depend upon us, you know, for everything. So the best that you can and also remember <clears throat> that there's only one child in the situation like you i mean you can have multiple children but whoever you're dealing with right now right right then at that moment just know that before you sits either a mother or father or both and a child you know you can't stoop down to your child's level because that child needs that leadership from you. So you can't just, you know, 
uh, act just like a child. Um, there has to be one child in the room and one adult in order for, you know, parenting to take place. Very true. And there you have it. Um, thank you for joining us for another episode. We hope you um, received all the information in this episode. It was very important because, you know, raising children is very important for our communities and for the future. So, as always, one accord, one love, peace. Peace. Generation under so much pressure, held to a standard impossible to measure. Without guys, they suffer. No father in sight, uh, no love from their mother. Not the thin for the one in the mirror. Self image distorted, can't get no clearer. Damn, lost souls devoured by the streets. Ain't no fairy tales or yellow bricks by their feet. Only crack vials and shell cases. Looking for hope, but.